0: Hello folks, welcome back. I'm your host Simon Ward and this is the High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast where I can promise that you'll always hear a Yorkshire accent and we will never have any adverts. We chat with our guests about pe performance, fitness, health, nutrition, recovery, longevity, relationships and happiness. Because it doesn't matter whether you want to finish your first spring triathlon, set a PB in your next race or just keep turning up until you're in your 70s each of these elements has real significance in fact these are all principles that underpin our SWOT community we have almost 150 like-minded members and you would be able to access winter training and summer racing plans for all races with a variety of weekly training programs catered for all levels of experience we offer triathlon coaching which is 50 pounds a month which even if i say so myself is pretty much unrivalled value for money now if you'd like to find out how we can help you prepare for your events in 2023 please check out the very obvious link in the show notes below or write to beth at the triathloncoach.com. right swimming it's probably the discipline that frustrates triathletes most it takes years of regular pool time to make even small gains there's so much noise out there these days that choosing the right path for you is a big task in itself I'm fortunate to be at the front end of the triathlon swim, but everyone needs help, which is why I turned to this week's guest, Josh Spencer, to help me understand why my shoulder was hurting after every swim. Fairly quickly, Josh highlighted some simple technical flaws and gave me some drills to help correct the problem. On chatting with Josh, it turns out that we're pretty much aligned in our approach to helping swimmers improve and I really wanted to share some of his knowledge and experience with you in this call. So let's crack on and hear from Josh.
1: Welcome to the show, Josh Spencer. Hi Simon, how are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good. To, I'm good today, Josh. Thank you, and thank you for joining me. Um, it's it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? This podcast, we've stood on poolside at uh, at John Charles and chatted about this for a while. So we, we finally got it together.
1: Yeah, we have for a number of years. It's um it's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me on.
0: Well, folks, I'm going to let Josh tell you about. His background in a minute. Um, I've known Josh for quite a long time because we used to both Josh and his brother Tom. Is that
1: right?
0: Yeah, Tom uh, used to used to swim in the same masters group occasionally um, But I swam in for many years, and uh, which only really got interrupted by COVID. Josh is an incredibly fast swimmer. He's a competitive master swimmer. Um, it's like being in the pool with a dolphin. So Josh, never I never swam in the same lane as Josh. But I do get to chat with him on poolside quite a lot. And, and actually, recently, Josh and I have started doing some work together. So we can maybe touch on um, what, how Josh helped me with my swim stroke. But Josh, just tell everybody what you do for a living. Because you're, you're a professional swim coach, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So uh, I'm the head coach at uh, York City Baths Club, which is a, an amateur swimming club uh, based in York. Um, so I, that covers everything from learn to swim, the young swimmers, Mostly up to about 18-year-olds who are getting to a, a pretty high standard national level. We've had um, an international uh, junior swim in recent years uh, as well. Uh, and, and aside from that, what I also do is um, some work with uh, triathletes as well. So I've started uh, doing some coaching with them, some bespoke coaching really. So it's it's small, very small groups or it's it's individuals as well. Um, and so I'm starting to venture into the the, the sport of triathlon, and uh, you know, seeing the, the the similarities and differences, and what I can probably give to, uh, to to some people who are trying to improve the swimming.
0: Yeah, now that's important because I I think that some listeners might already have started thinking, well, he's a, he's a coach at a swim club, and he's teaching kids how to swim, and backstroke and breaststroke and butterfly, and that's not relevant to me as a triathlete, but I. I actually think it is important for triathletes to be able to do those strokes we'll maybe talk about that later but the fact that you've been working with some triathletes means that you are becoming more familiar with some of the limitations that they present with and that's what we're going to talk about today really is what what are the biggest limiters for triathletes now I've been a triathlete for over 30 years and it's only in recent years that I've come to understand that one of the biggest limiters is mobility yeah and actually it doesn't matter how many meters you swim in the pool and how many drills you do um if you can't improve your mobility then um you're going to come to it you're going to hit a wall at some point aren't you absolutely so you are tell tell us tell, tell us and the listeners a little bit about your own observations of this then as a swim coach and your experiences of working with triathletes?
1: Yeah, so I think one of my main main frustrations is when you're trying to work with swimmers in the pool and they have some some serious uh, physical limitations um, and regardless of what you're doing with them really, you're not going to be able to improve that stroke until you've addressed the issues that that they may have with their um, mobility. Um, and this this came to me about five years ago, really, when I was doing some talent camps with uh, Swim England, uh, and there was a really good uh, physio, uh, and and she said to me that the group of boys that I were working with, um, although the what I was trying to do was 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 the right thing, you know, we're trying to make some corrections in the pool. She'd just done some physio screenings um, with them. She brought the results out to me, and she said, "What you're trying to do there." You're not going to be able to achieve with them in the water we have to get them out of the water we have to give them the right exercises prescribe them to them they've got to take them away spend a couple of months working on those exercises and then you might be able to get them in the in the right positions obviously that was a, a three-day camp so it's not <laughs> it wasn't something mm. that we were going to be able to do there and then because you need that time to be able to improve the mobility the flexibility um, and they have to go home and 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 work on that. But you know, at my home program, um, I think it's something that's neglected. Really, is uh, anything pre pool post pool work. Everyone thinks about the sport that they're doing. There's you know, it's swimming, it's running, it's cycling. They work on those things, but they don't think about how they could make make what they're doing better. You know, what what exercises can we do? In order to activate the right muscle groups you know how can we be more efficient and if you think about swimming there's the there's, there's two real ways in which you can get faster one is to increase propulsion and two is to reduce resistance and i think particularly reducing resistance is where mobility um, can really come into it if you can't get yourself into a, a, a the correct body position you're going to have significant amounts more force uh, acted upon your body
0: Mm, that that i mean that's brilliant that you've just broken that down into two ways to get faster decrease resistance i I, I guess that's the same if you're riding a bike is you can make yourself um more aerodynamic so you can slice through the wind better or you can bust a gut trying to improve your power so you can um push a less mobile body along on the bike. And it's the same in the water. Reduce the drag to the water um, and be as slippery as a fish or just try a bit harder. But there's a limit to how hard people can try. There's a limit to the progress they can make on the fitness. And, um, you know, there's a limit to how much effort you can put in before you really do stop making any any gains.
1: Yeah, d- d- definitely. And, um, you know, everyone is just trying to get faster by getting stronger. Um, right. By putting in more aerobic meters, I'm gonna do more race pace this week and and get faster. And actually, it's like no, you you, you can get faster just by cutting through the water. Or, you know, with with less resistance acting upon your body. And you know, the the mobility side of things um, are crucial to making sure that you can do that. So I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna put up a comment now that we can park and come back to later when we talk about fitness training. But arguably, then. If you were to spend 20 minutes a day doing some mobility work and when you went to the pool, you just did lots of easy swimming, focusing on drills and being improving your technique and being really efficient and streamlined in the water, that will probably have a bigger impact on your overall swim speed and your race times than if you went and did critical swim speed sessions every time you went to the pool.
1: 100% agree.
0: Right, let's part that then and come back because that's controversial (laughs) because because as a coach, you know what it's like. If you don't give people intervals, they're like, where's my intervals? Where's my hard stuff? I'm never going to be at a race at a high intensity if you keep giving me these easy swim sessions.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to discuss that one with you.
0: All right, well, let's go back to the mobility then. So you're at this camp. The physio says they need to start working on these uh, mobility exercises and they need to go home and they need to do them for a couple of months. Okay, now yeah. I don't believe that consecutive training works. Where all you do is go and do mobility, and then you come back to the pool. You've got to you've got to do these things concurrently. But I do see that there's an opportunity for a couple of months of really focused um, attention on on a particular thing. In terms of these pure swimmers, what what, what type of attention was she suggesting they give to these um, exercises over that two months? Was this like half an hour every night or a couple of times a week or just before and after swimming
1: yeah so in, in in swimming what we tend to do is is break it down into pre-pool and and post-pool so in the in the pre-pool side of things you're trying to mobilize so you're doing more dynamic movements where you're um tr- trying to get the get the muscles ready for what you're about to do so you the, the warm-up really is going to be something productive Rather than it be a case of you get into the warm-up, you're as stiff as a board, and your skills are poor to start with, well, then you go into the main session, the main part of your set, then there's not going to be any skill transfer as you're starting to work harder. So what the purpose really is in pre-pool is to make sure that you can instantly get into the best technique possible during the warm-up, set up the main set really well there, so when you're going at higher speeds, you, you can go and do that. And then secondly, to that, when you do the post pull, uh, I tend to prescribe more um, static stretching. So it's it's holding for thirty seconds to uh, one minute, just to make sure that you you know elongating those muscles that have have got tight. And I see that I see that more as injury prevention as as as, as well. Mm.
0: Um.
1: Now, given that.
0: Yeah, you know, triathletes in particular and, and recreational master swimmers um have busy lives and so often they get into the pool. Yeah, you know, sometimes they're walking onto poolside exactly as the session starts. So the warm-up for them is hurrying through, hurrying through the changing rooms or getting stressed by being in, you know, the heart rate goes up because they're stressed because they're stuck in traffic. Um so the ideal length of time that you would prescribe for your swimmers would be. As a pre-warm-up
1: would be what, 15, 20 minutes? Yeah, 15, 20 minutes. But what okay, I would suggest is you don't have as much time, then maybe go five minutes. And if and if it's something specific that you know you need to work on. So for instance, it might be that you're you know, you tight you tight through your lats, um, or you know, you 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 peck in your, your shoulder area and you're trying to improve and work on your catch, then just a couple of minutes on each each side on those, it will really help.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about if we think about the posture of most people. I mean, we're both sitting down. Well, you know, uh, if anybody gets chance to see the video of this, we're both sitting down here, so we, that's automatically going to lead to tighter hip flexors. We're both sitting in front of a computer, so we're probably going to be chin poking. We've probably got shoulders, you know, forward. So, but that's yeah. the posture most people are in most of the day. So, uh, I know from my own experience, that if I could do something to correct those day-long habits, you'd want to do some exercise that opens up the hip flexors, which helps you to keep the hip, keep the legs higher in the water and be longer. You want to do something that opens up and stretches the lats, and you want to do something which um, opens up the chest and the pecs. So those three would be my key ones. What do, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I'd I'd agree with all those three when I'm looking at swimmers. That's what I see. Um, mostly really through the pecs people who are spending time on the phones laptops um, you know writing down all day you overdevelop these muscles at the front and if you swim in a lot of freestyle you develop those further as well and actually we mm-hmm. need to be able to pull our shoulders back freely um, and be able to really like lengthen the body out as well so I think lats is important and. And hip flexors as well.
0: You were telling me in our little chat before we started this that you've seen a big increase in injuries, um, in shoulder injuries in in recent years in swimmers. Do you put that down to those things you just mentioned? You know, the poor posture, the
1: more time spent on um, iPads and uh, and telephones. Yeah, I would say so. There's definitely an over reliance now on. Handheld technology where people are holding the the phones for for a long time, um, then they're going and swimming, not doing the post pull, yeah. pre pull work, and and stretching those areas out, and and definitely starting to see these impingement type issues at the, the you know the shoulder and the delta, sure the shoulder and the pec meet there, um, and and it's it's causing a, a loss of productivity when those swimmers are going to train. Um, and I do think that that is a lot down to not doing dry side work. What what sort of injuries are you typically seeing then? Yes, it's mostly, it's mostly shoulder injury. So
0: um, so like getting... a tightness in the front of the shoulder, like a strain, like like um, something that's a chronic thing that um, just gets a little bit sore after they swim. If they have a couple of days out of the pool, it gets a bit easier, but you're never really getting rid of it rather than something that's it's it's not like an acute pain where you've dislocated your shoulder or you've um you've broken your collarbone so much.
1: No, this is this is this is ongoing. Yeah, it's a, it, it's it's sort of chronic injuries, you know, that they're going to physios, uh, it's repetitive strain type injuries, but because they're locking the shoulder in this this kind of position, um from when I've spoken to the physios, they said there's a feeling that at the front that the, the the tissue is really, really inflamed. Um and, and it presents a huge problem, and I've definitely noticed that more in the last last two or three years, as yeah. you said.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the, the pre the pre warm up, we could if if we were able to identify specific areas, and and you know what I'm thinking there is if you haven't got access to a physio, then working on your on your hip flexors, working on your pecs, and working on your lats would be would be the obvious places to start. If you've been to see a physio and they've identified some particular weaknesses, then those will be the place to start. And you could probably create a little routine that enables you to work those for five minutes, but you definitely want to, I think, definitely want to be getting onto poolside a good five or ten minutes before your session if you can, or even maybe missing a little bit of the warm-up and fo- focusing on the, the dry land stuff, um, that which probably would lead to a better swimming outcome anyway.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I agree with that because if you're going into the warm up and you're really tight, all you're doing is reinforcing bad habits and and poor patterning of the stroke. So you you would be better to spend that little bit more time just getting yourself into a, a loosened position. So mm. when you go in, you immediately can start thinking about the, the the skill points that you know that you need to work on. It, it, you know, yeah. I, I don't think we need to kind of sort of like say that that's not part of the warm-up being on the dry side actually that is part of what you're doing and if it's focused and it's done well then it's it's as good as what you're going to do in the water mm-hmm.
0: yeah okay and then what about the post swimming bit you know you said static stretch is holding for 30 to 60 seconds so is that just a full body routine or are you, are you still going back to targeting those muscles that have been most used in the pool
1: I'd like to go full full body anyway to make sure you're as loose as you can possibly be everywhere. But again, it's it's time, isn't it? And we're all really mm-hmm. busy, and especially as adults. And we, you know, you've got your triathlon training, and this is what I've I've had when I've spoken to triathletes before. It's balancing how much time you've actually got because you'll have your running coach telling telling you you've got to do something else and you've got to add something in and your cycling coach and your swimming coach and you end up and Mm -hmm. and then you have no time to do anything else so i I would i would say if you've got 15 or 20 minutes to target those areas which are really tight
0: okay so 15
1: and
0: it's it's like a habit really isn't it i think yeah you know I've, i've spoken a lot on my podcasts and in my blogs about the fact that my newly found habit over the last three or four years has been more mobility but now it's got to the point where it's like brushing my teeth. And if I don't do it on any particular day, you know, if you leave the house without brushing your teeth, you feel a bit unclean. I sort of feel like that yeah. if I don't get my... I sort of feel like that. I feel like maybe it's psychological that I just don't move as well if I haven't done any mobility first thing in the morning.
1: Yeah, and, and I think once you make that your routine, then it it, it becomes very natural. It doesn't feel like a, a chore. But you can also, you know, if you... I was doing a lot of running during lockdown and uh, I mm-hmm. I don't have a running background and I was getting up to 30 35 miles a, a a week you know it was quite taxing on my body and I knew that if I came home and just started doing my normal things then it would affect me in 2 or 3 days time so I was coming in rehydrating getting some nutrition at the same time going through a 20 minute stretch it just allowed me to be much more productive from Session to session, from week to week, and then by the end of my training cycle, I, I got what I wanted out of it. Um, and I think if you know, people can ev- evaluate their own training programs, you need to sometimes take a look at, you know, why things m- might not be going as well as, as as what they are. And if this is something that you're missing, then you might as well just give it a try, especially during this winter off season. You know, give it a try, mm. see if it's helping. Yeah, I, I,
0: that's that's a great point about this winter season. Yes, it's a time to build your foundation, but the foundation isn't just your aerobic conditioning. I, I think anybody who's been around in you know endurance sports for two or three years or longer has got a decent aerobic background. They don't you don't lose it if you keep active. But I think everybody could afford to step back ten or fifteen percent on that and put some. Mobility work in there to start with, and the out uh, to me the outcomes are w- when you add the two together, you do a little bit less aerobic work, you do a little bit more mobility work. The outcome is actually way better than if you just carry on swimming or cycling or running.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I would I would agree with that, and it's a different approach sometimes that, that can help and you know, changing that stimulus training can often give you the, the you know the best benefits. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I. You know, twenty minutes in the evening. I would reckon that we all probably spend twenty minutes watching the telly. There's no reason why you can't get a yoga mat out on the floor in front of the telly and watch what's going on. I mean, if you know, let's let's say you're watching something like uh, um, what's currently on at the moment. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. You don't need to be sat avidly engaged in it. Do it's not like watching um, a film where you have to concentrate on the dialogue or what's happening in the scene. You you could actually be doing your mobility while that's going on and uh, and not miss out on anything. And then, then you're doing two things at the same time. So, um, other than other, otherwise, the alternative is just slouched on the sofa, making yourself less mobile and a worse swimmer.
1: Yeah, win-win
0: <laughs> or lose-lose. Um, <laughs> we we talked earlier about the swimmers you work with doing uh, other strokes. It, it also feels like if you are doing other strokes, that that would actually be quite beneficial. I, I, um, I know a lot. I hear a lot of triathletes, and I probably was in this category myself in the early days. Saying, "Well, how's that going to benefit me?" But then I remember talking to Terry Dennison, who you'll know, um, who was the swim coach at Leeds City of Leeds for such a long time, explaining to me how a lot of the world's best freestyle swimmers were also world-class backstrokers. And backstroke is almost the reverse. It opens the chest up using the back muscles, and and um, you keep you kick high, you keep your hips high. It's a perfect antidote to a lot of freestyle work, isn't
1: it? Yes, yeah, so that's one thing that I would be doing with my swimmers after a big freestyle set is we'll go into doing um, some backstroke as a, as a as a swim down, really, um, for that reason. You you do a lot of freestyle. You develop the area at the front, the chest, the pecs. They start rounding forwards. As soon as you go into backstroke, you're pulling the shoulders back, opening the chest out. Um and in a way that's that's providing you with some stretch. Um, and it it you know you you there's a transfer between the strokes. So in backstroke and freestyle, the long axis strokes, so there are similarities there, you rotate in order to cut through the water more efficiently, you rotate in order to get more power through your pull stroke. So those things can actually transfer across. It provides more variety as, as well, I think, you know, in what you're doing is is if you, if you're going to do freestyle for all of your swimming sessions all the time, you know, that 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 can become a little bit unengaging and uh and a bit stale. So adding in some different strokes can help. And essentially what you're doing is you're moving, you know, you, you, you're moving the water, you're feeling the water. There's a lot of transfer between all, all, all the strokes there. I think backstroke probably is the best stroke to be able to supplement um, freestyle training.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, again, a lot of triathletes are particularly good at backstroke, so they don't they don't make progress very quickly. Um, and so if you give them backstroke to do as a cool down, they're like, oh, I'll just do one and I'll do some freestyle. Um, obviously, there's a practice makes perfect type thing there. So if you do it more regularly, you'll start to feel the water better and you'll start to move better. The thing is, as well, though, with backstroke, it's, it's not like freestyle where you're limited in your opportunities to breathe. You can breathe almost all the time. So, um, you know, you can go, you can be nice and relaxed there because your breathing isn't compromised. I know a lot of people feel anxious when they're sort of their heads underwater and they're not breathing and they sort of tend to hold the breath, but there's no need to do that in backstroke. So it feels like it's the perfect thing for just easily re-
1: cooling down at the end of a workout. You can. I think sometimes people see it as too much of a swim down, and they end up uh, just lying on the back and uh, having too slow of an arm rate, and for it to for it to really work properly. But you, you know, you don't need to when you're doing backstroke or another stroke. You don't need to try to become a master at that necessarily, like you're trying to do on your freestyle as a as a triathlete. But it's it's always good to try something a little bit different when you are in the water. Um, yeah and and you work in different muscle groups there's a bit more balance to what you're doing as well so i i i think it's worth adding in other strokes definitely
0: uh, how do you feel about butterfly and breaststroke then
1: uh, for triathletes particularly so breaststroke um i don't really think there's too much of a transfer breaststroke is a stroke and it's in itself it's very different in in the way you move um I guess what, what is good about breaststroke in the arm action is it's just a series of skulls that you work through from the out sweep and the, and and the in-sweep. Um, so there are times where I do some skulling drills with um, triathletes for freestyle. So something there, but I wouldn't do too much on breaststroke uh, with, with butterfly. The limitation really is, is whether you're actually able to perform the stroke correctly and, and, Fly has to be done with a certain amount of energy to it. I always think that fly only works when you when you put something really into it. Whereas freestyle and backstroke, you can swim all the time. You can swim very very relaxed and efficiently. Um, and and fly, you need to be able to master the skills to be able to do that. I come from a two hundred meter fly background, um, and I can tell you now that I could get and do a fifty fly. Or do a do a series of twenty fives, and I feel pretty tired from that. So, you know, if if you're not sure how to do the fly really well, I guess that entry is the you know the limitation for you, really. Yeah, there's a fair but amount of the cat, rhythm required. but the yeah. catch yeah. is similar on to, to to the freestyle. You know, it's a, it's a high elbow catch, hand directly underneath the elbow is what you're looking for. Early catch. Mm. So if, if if you can do it, it it, it can help you there.
0: Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of strength to come from uh, butterfly as well, isn't there? If you can do it, so um, even if you're doing 25 meter intervals. But I guess the the limiter for a lot of people is the shoulder mobility as well. You know, trying to do that and getting their arm in the wrong place could actually put more pressure on the shoulder and make that sort of potential for injury a bit, bit,
1: bit higher. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because you need that. You need that full extension. And in butterfly, with it being a short axis stroke, you you don't allow for any rotation of the hips. In order to get that extension there, if you've got seriously tight latch, you're not going to be able to get that full extension at the at the front of the stroke.
0: Yeah, and I guess also if you aren't getting some propulsion from the kick, you're putting an awful lot more. Um, you try to do an awful lot more work with the um, with the arms, aren't you? And if you if your arms are in the right position, then that's putting pressure on those little sort of um, little shoulder muscles and rotator cuff muscles that we talked about earlier. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe a compromise would be to have a pair of fins on, so it give you a bit, give give you a little bit more thrust for the arm action.
1: Yeah, and and I would describe that in on butterflies is probably looking at 50-50 really, where you're working with fins and 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 without as well. It allows you to be able to do it without putting as much pressure on the on on your shoulder joint, as you say.
0: Okay, so I think I think. Uh, well, I hope the listeners might be getting the impression now that we're both big fans of mobility for improving your swimming. And, and again, we'll go back to that point that if, if you were to do more mobility and just swim easily, you're probably going to become a faster swimmer anyway because you're, you're creating less drag in the ball. Let's talk about something else that I know a lot of people feel they need to do in order to improve the swimming. And that's drills. Now, I, again, I've changed my opinion having spoken to good swim coaches like yourself over the years that drills are great if you do them a lot and if you practice them with due diligence and if you do and if you've identified which drills are relevant to your particular stroke weaknesses. If you're just doing catch-up and fists because you know you read it in a magazine, then uh, quite frankly I think you're wasting your effort. Discuss yeah.
1: I I, I... So this is one of my big bugbears, is just doing drills for drills' sake. Um, Firstly, what you need to do is identify what is the issue with your stroke. And then secondly, you need to find a drill which can help to correct that. So the one I see most is trail fingers and and catch-up. So Uh what's what's trail fingers? going to do for you well trail fingers is there to get your elbow up up high and and your hand's going to be staying quite low um now in in pool swimming there's you know maybe some value to that but you see the people who are doing those drills already possess a high elbow so why do you need to continue to do that drill when there's other areas that you need to work on in open water swimming and in triathlons you want more of a, a high arm, high high hand recovery. So why would you want your hand down there and your elbow up? So that's not really a drill that's going to have much benefit for you. Um, catch up. I would say it's, it's okay for very basic swimmers who are just trying to keep the hand out in front for longer so that doesn't slip off the front but what catch up does is it teaches you to get one hand to meet the other at the front and actually once you do that you've closed your hips so when you start to pull you pull with your hips in a flat position whereas actually what you want to do is connect and synchronize really your hand pressing back with your hip rotation if you're doing catch up drill it stops you from from generating any power through through your hip rotation, and so again, most people who know how to keep the leading hand at the front and 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 got good balance at the front there, I would say that's not a good drill. So I would say find out what the problem is, and then figure out what drills you need to do. And I would keep it to maybe three drills, which have a progressive nature to them. So um, starting off with the most basic drill and then making that slightly harder.
0: Okay, go back a little bit. You said, um, probably following on from what I'd stated, that it's important to understand what your technical flaws are. So how are you going to find those out? Because yeah, it's impossible, it's damn near impossible to do that, just swimming in a pool and trying to work it out for yourself, isn't it? Because we all think, with perfect swimmers, we all think yeah, I swim like Michael Phelps or Katie the Decky, Actually, it's yes. <laughs> nothing like that.
1: Well, I would be saying go see a coach and, uh, and 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 try to use a coach for that. But if you don't have those resources, if you go down to maybe a structured master session, um, and you you know there might be somebody taking the session or just a really good experienced swimmer, they don't have to be a coach in order to. You know, provide you with some 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 help and support um, in order to do that. And I, I did this myself um, five or six years ago. I was having issues with my freestyle in my my mid twenties, and I went to one of the master sessions with Alan uh, Hutchinson, uh, as you yeah. remember. And and he gave me one or two points, and he said you need to really focus in on this. Um, and so I I made it my mission. Every single session is to work on opening up my hips. <laughs> And making sure I get an early catch and my freestyle chain within six months, and my times absolutely dropped. And I couldn't work it out myself, even as a, I was a coach at the time. But he made that observation from the from the pool deck and said, "You're not quite opening up enough, dropping your elbow from front. Work those things, and it, and it and it did me the world of good. So I think that there are there are people out there who have the knowledge and you know who can who can help you without that necessarily being a structured coach and if you ever get the opportunity to be filmed I think that's something that's really good and then you can compare what what you're doing to somebody on you know YouTube and you know that there's a huge range of resources out there when you can see what a great stroke looks like and 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 you know trying to put more of those things into your own stroke will really help.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point actually. I was just gonna say what you think about video. So I'm glad you mentioned that. But let's talk about social media and um, YouTube, Instagram, where where there is actually sort of you know footage, not just people talking, but stuff you can see and view how much of what you see on on those channels is relevant and how much of it's just noise and distraction do you think? I mean, for instance, there's a lot of coaches out there. There's, there's an Australian guy that, is it perfect swimming that people keep pointing me towards now? And I've watched some of it and I think actually this, this, this guy's got some points. Um, but then I hear a lot of people talk about swim smooth I Hear A lot of people talk about total immersion, um, a lot of people talk about Adam Walker's techniques. So, right, in, in the in the shape in the space of thirty seconds, we've mentioned five different places that there or four different places that you can go to, and each one of them's different. So, if you watch them all, isn't that not going to increase the confusion a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think it's. I think with 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 what they're doing fundamentally, they'll be very similar. You know, the, if if you want to swim well, you want to swim fast. You have to be able to hold. Good body positions. So I think when you're starting to look at different methodologies of how to swim, they're looking more probably at the finer, the finer details and than, than the basics. You know, I don't see anybody sort of advocating that you keep your head up all the time and you, you know, you you have your eyes forwards. You know, the the head position will roughly be about the same. The body position will roughly be. Um, about the same it'll be things like trying to catch a little bit earlier trying to release a little bit earlier maybe Um, and I think you can just play around with that yourself and you can you can trial and error with 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 things as well Um, and 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 see what works for you you know I, I like using distance per stroke I think that really helps and then you know checking your time against distance per stroke to see what your best efficiency is so if, if if something like going ten fifties off one minute and trying to swim them at speed, but limiting your stroke counts, so let's say you're holding thirty fives for a fifty, and then you are hitting thirty strokes, so you score sixty five. All right. Well, if you all oh, right, so like
0: um, so like swim golf then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, exactly. And 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 you can you can do those things to see to see what's going to work for you. I, I mean, I've I've looked at many of these videos and um that stroke just wouldn't some of those structures wouldn't work for me M- mechanically we're all different shapes and, and sizes um and uh, you sometimes see the videos where the guy's like six foot five or six foot six and he's got size 15 feet and you think well you know it's not going to really work if you're five eight and you've got size seven feet because you've got these massive mm. fins on you know so <laughs> you have to i think i think you have to just do a bit of trial and error, really, to see what 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 you think works or give something a go, but then really commit to it as well rather than just doing it for a couple of days, maybe.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and also, I think um, what what's misleading is that a lot of those people come from a swim background. They perhaps don't have the mobility limitations that your average 50-year-old male or female triathlete might have. So trying to get into some of those positions to get an early catch when you've got tight lats or tight shoulders, or you've had some surgery on your shoulders or an injury, is again that's going to be pretty challenging for most people to try to get into that. So it doesn't work. Um, saying you know, do this, do this thing here with a high elbow. A lot of people can't even get the high elbow position out of the water, never mind in the water when they're lying on the front.
1: Yeah, uh, as you said, former Olympics runners, top level Ironman triathletes, athletes, and they're going to be able to do things that you know uh, um, the the vast majority of the triathlete population aren't going to be able to do and you have to just find what 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 works for you Um, and I would just say keep things you know really basic and simple work on what is the most fundamental thing that you need to do and then try to build on that and 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 really just kind of create your own what's your what's your stroke not what anybody else's stroke is mm. um and, and get yourself to move well you talked about when you'd spoken with alan hutchinson there and he'd given you some tips
0: and he went away and he said within six months i really noticed um that my stroke was improving how long do you think people need to allocate to their swimming and to this focus on their swimming in order to improve because it's it's definitely not a matter of if i do this for a couple of weeks i'm going to get faster is it it's, it's a long term process.
1: Yeah, it depends how long your training cycle is, but I think when you when you plan for your training cycles, it's it's really good to be able to have um, one focus, like a technical focus in, in 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 a cycle, not just a you know something on physiology. So I want to improve aerobic capacity in this training cycle. What do you want to do from a technical perspective? You know, if you want to improve your swimming, you need to have that in there as well. So find a series of drills that are going to improve that one technical point and then hopefully by the end you've, you've noticed that. But I think what you've got to do is you've got to do it in warm-ups. Try to do it as much as you can when you're swimming at speed and, and your race pace work but then also doing it when you're swimming down as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was the other thing
0: I was thinking there? We, going back to the drills and having identified the drills here is not just seeing drills as a way of warming up to get to the juicy part of the session which might be intervals you know it's a judging by what you're saying there about having a technical focus for a block of time the drills and then the execution of those with some steady swimming is is the session and um in order to get better You've got to be doing those drills perfectly as they're intended. It's not just it's not just a question of going through the motions, is it? And so, and that can be frustrating because if you do some some of those drills you had me doing, which is that almost like just that half, not even a half catch. It's just yeah. flexing my elbow and and dropping my getting my forearm to move through about thirty degrees and then returning to the start position. That's quite a hard drill. Unless you're wearing fins, it's it's quite tiring to to, to feel, and and you don't feel like you're making any progress. Uh, And I think a lot of people get frustrated that drills tire them out and they don't feel to be making progress and stop doing them. You've got to do them every session and do them well every session in order for them to be a benefit, right?
1: Yeah, I would say you do. But you want to keep to those same drills, and you will start out not being particularly good at those drills but what you've got to try and do is 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 get better at them each and every day and I think this is where having a, a, a small selection of drills is very important because if you go from one day and you go from that drill which you said I call it the catch drill if you go from doing that one day and then the next time that you go in you start working on trailing fingers or a catch up then. Actually, you're not getting better at that catch drill. It just ends up being a time filler. So you will be far more productive to just work in that training block on one series of drills and get really, really good at that. And then the next important thing is that you're able to transfer those drills across into your swimming. And far too often you see that people do the drills and then they're in and swim and there's no link between what they've done so what i would recommend is if you do a drill follow it up with swim steady swim to start with where the focus is on that skill point so if it's going to be working the catch you are really thinking about what you're doing up at the front end of the the stroke stroke length then you might be doing a, a distance per stroke uh swim set something like that so it works across. And that's what I really noticed when I was swimming.
0: So you've got to put aside all references to the clock at this point. There's no, you know, it's not going to help swimmer if they're looking at the clock every time they've done that, 25 or 15, thinking, oh, this is so much slower. Because that's not the point. In some ways, it's like being, it's like driving down a dead end. You've got to reverse out of where you were and go backwards, if you like, and then change course to make forward progress. And, and, and what I think with, you know, when I've seen coaches that give drills off a particular turnaround time, that drives me nuts because I feel like people are just pressured to try and finish the drill in that time so they can get a rest. And then they just end up swimming it and not doing the drill. I feel like it's much better to say, right, I'd like you to do 25 meters of this drill and then take 15 seconds just to get your breath and compose yourself and then do it again rather than 10, 10
1: catch drill on 30 seconds like you just end up sprinting through them you you need you need to separate these things out in 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 swimming session and what what is your focus if it's on skill then it's about getting better at skill it's 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 not about some kind of aerobic stimulus or as you say trying to come in on a certain turnaround time that's what I would do I'm, I'm prescribing things with with 15 rest with 20 rest um you know, when you feel like you're ready to go again, because you're not getting the benefit if you're tired and you're not able to perform that drill properly. So it has to be, an I think, an allocated chunk of time. I'd often do it in a warm-up. You know, you go 200, 300 metres just to loosen off, and then you go in something like 12, 25s if you're short course, 8, 50s if you're long course, working through one, two, three drills, that link together as well it's not it 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 shouldn't be a drill that focuses on three different areas of your stroke focus on one area and and take your time and get and get better at that you know you think about how long people end up doing triathlons for they might start in the 30s and and they're there till the in the 50s and 60s you're not expected to get all your gains in one training cycle in one training year Why, why can't you do that over Three, four, five, six years or 10 years, and, and you see it more as a as a as a longer term project. Um, um, I think we just yeah. want to we just want to get better as quickly as possible. And sometimes we just need to say, no, we're gonna get better, but this is gonna take a little bit more time than what you think it's going to. You've you've just hit
0: the nail on the head there of something I've been thinking about today from another guest who's coming on the show in a couple of months. He has this concept. And it's not dissimilar to that. He's just encapsulated it in something that's really easy to comprehend. He calls it having a thousand-day plan. Uh, his name's Gordo Burns. So if, if you're listening, folks, Gordo will be on the show in, in, a, in a couple of months. Um, and he is exactly that. He says, you know, everybody's in a hurry to get faster tomorrow or by next week or by the start of next season. If you give yourself a thousand-day plan on, there's no hurry to get it done quickly. So there's no need to cut corners. There's no need to put pressure on yourself. Just focus on that and, and commit to doing something over the next couple of three years and see how far you can progress in that time. There's an awful lot of time to make improvements, isn't there, if you've got a thousand days. Yeah.
1: A, a lot of time. And um I think if you can if you can section that off, it it's it's really important. It's 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 have you achieved one thing in this training block? And if you have and you've got better at it, then 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 you're on to a winner. And if you can do that every single training block, you know, you think right, I, I have roughly three training blocks every year. So, you know, you, you've, you've made three steps forwards there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what I call deliberate practice. It's not just turning up to
0: go swimming. It's turning up to do something specific when you go swimming. So having, a, having an aim and, a, you know, part of that pre-swim routine that you talk about whilst you're going through the various exercises you've identified, i think that while you're doing that physically you can use that as also a time to prepare yourself mentally of what have I, what am i really trying to achieve in this session today am i trying to get out of here i mean got myself out of breath as, as much as possible am i trying to set a 400 pb or am i coming to get better at these drills and improve my position in the water and so once you commit to what you're there for then enables you to stay focused on that throughout the session doesn't it and and that gives you another way of ticking the box like actually this this session was a success not because I covered three thousand meters in an hour
1: yeah and and I think that that's how we need to look at breaking down our our swimming sessions and saying we're not always going to be looking for this top end physical response we don't want to come out of every training session feeling like we're shattered you know like we need 24 to 36 hours of recovery because you might be doing something in in that time where actually you need to be able to um swim run cycle cycle really hard so actually you can do some drill in a lot of your recovery or your easy sessions um but that's been very productive as well you know from a from a technical and a physical point of view Mm.
0: Well, that, that draws us on nicely then, Josh, to developing fitness. So I parked this thought earlier on that if we could convince triathletes and recreational master swimmers to focus on their mobility and just steady swimming with an emphasis on these, developing these drills, um, they'd actually be swimming faster in the water than if they spent all the time just going to um, you know, a session and nailing themselves. Um I do acknowledge that there's got to be some different stimuluses for the aerobic system throughout the year, you know, so we need to do some high intensity, but again, in the same way that we can get confused with whether we do swim smooth or total immersion or this stroke or that stroke, there's also an awful lot out there about um, uh, ultra short race pace training. There's there's one USPR um, or USRP, um, critical swim speed, best pace, Um, if you're a triathlete you're working on heart rate if you're a swim coach often swim coaches work below work on beats below maximum don't they so that's competing as well because you're starting from a different position um so now again we've we've just introduced a lot of noise into the conversation so if we wanted to focus on developing our swim conditioning to be better triathletes what what's the most uh, and i'm talking about the, the fitness aspect now the aerobic condition what's What's the key things that we should be um maxing out on?
1: Well, f- for me, I I really like the idea of a polarized model. I've 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 tried to adopt that myself before. And I um I found that it allows you to swim slowly for a, a, a long time, is which is what you're trying to do for about 75, 80% of what you're doing. Um so that's going to be developing aerobic capacity, and that can take some time in order to do that. But like I said, if we're talking about a multi-year plan. Then going yeah, well, easy, exactly. Back, a, back to yeah, yeah if back we're going to easy for a long plan, right? going easy for a long time. Then then that then that's all right. You're not trying to get fit within four to six weeks. Um, so doing that slow and steady work, then that allows you to be able to transfer the the drill work into into practice properly. Um, cause you often find that if you're trying to swim at threshold a lot and, uh, uh, then you're not able to transfer that across or your skills break down. Um, and then I look at the top end stuff that you need to be doing and you need to be swimming at race speed and race pace there. You don't want to be swimming in that gray area in that, in that middle zone, um, for too long. So I look at it as like, you're swimming, you're swimming slow, or you're going to be swimming fast. You know, you're swimming at race pace, you might then go above that and you're swimming speed. Um, if I'm working with a triathlete, that's that's what I'd be doing. I wouldn't be doing a lot of threshold-type reps personally.
0: Well, that makes me think about this, Josh. If I'm doing Ironman, what exactly is my race pace? I mean, for most people, that would be a fairly pedestrian pace compared to their um, threshold pace or their best pace for a 100,
1: wouldn't it? Yeah, and and you've you've got to try and find that. So imagine you 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 know what your target is. You know what the pace is that you're trying to trying to hold, and you have to learn how to swim at that or whatever you you know if you, your next target pace is. Trying to increase that and find parameters around how it can be as race like as 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 possible. You know, you, you don't want to be swimming at a pace. Way way faster necessarily, but then you don't want to be swimming at a pace that, 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 that's slower either. So you've got, to, mm. you've got to you've got to you've got to you've you've got to find what is the pace that you're trying to get at, and actually spend time when you are doing this quality training, this race pace training, um, in that zone. Um, Stephen Seiler, who um, has done a lot of the
0: formative research around polarized training, um, he's based in Norway, and he talks about this. Uh, analogy that the norwegians have about baking a cake and so he's developed this baking a cake takes a long time it requires a, a a lot of preparatory effort um and then the the last little bit is putting the icing on and then putting some candles in and some chocolate sprinkles and eating it right eating it is race day he says the chocolate sprinkles and the candles are like um well the candles are like the tapering getting ready that's the last little bit the chocolate sprinkles are like the intervals but most of the preparatory work is in getting the ingredients, mixing them all up, and then waiting while it cooks to the right sort of consistency and whatever. And um, and then I, I listened to another coach called Alan Cousins. So I've had Alan and Steven Seiler on the show, and he talks about um, this polarised approach where the sprinkling of intervals and the sprinkling of high intensity is what he likes to call it. And, and he actually says, I, I, to be quite honest, if you're a triathlete, I don't think it matters whether you're doing super fast twenty fives, or whether you're doing some threshold hundreds up to 400s or whether you're doing, um, you know, some some ultra short race pace stuff. If you do those regularly, you just get used to swimming at, a, at you know a faster pace, and you and you sort of work that top end of your physiology. But those are just the sprinkles you're putting on top. The most important bit is that other the bottom end of that polarised bit, the foundation bit, the long, steady work, focusing on the technique. Is is that sort of what you're getting at as well? In when you talk about your polarised approach.
1: Yeah, I think you want to spend the vast majority of your time where you're you're swimming at a pace that 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 you are comfortable in, in able to to hold that, and then when you get to the, those sessions where you're supposed to swim fast, you are fast. And a a frustration of mine is when I'm trying to coach athletes is that they always want to feel this satisfaction of, of, I want want to feel like I've really, really worked out today. I want to feel Mm -hmm. like I've worked hard and I've pushed myself and for a significant period of time. But when you try and do that, you're actually not working Hard enough to be able to stimulate mm-hmm. some kind of, you know, response that's that's going to get you faster, um, you know. So I think what you've got to just try to do is just is just try and separate those things out and say, what am I doing? Today? Am I doing? Am I, am I swimming steady, or am I going to go and try and swim at, at the pace that I need to be at in my race? And um, so you know, you could go in and do a three, four, five thousand meter session, um, and 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 you know athletes who are aware of what their boundaries are, of, of what their training zones are, you can climb out of that and, and have done the volume and it have felt comfortable for you. But what I've I've also spoke with a number of coaches where they say, actually, swimming easy doesn't necessarily mean slow as well. And we associate mm-hmm. easy being slow and hard being fast. Mm-hmm. Easy, you can still swim quite fast. As long as you're in those, you know, physiological parameters. So your, you know, heart rates, for me, it would be something like 140. You know, I, I know at 140 mm-hmm. I'm swimming quite comfortably. And I know I'm able to then step it up for my harder sessions. Um, so it's about finding, you know, those, those, those sort of training zones yourself. But you can swim <laughs> at some speed. It's not just flopping up and down. Um, you know really slowly you can get volume in you can do that work i would say then when you go into the the harder work your volume overall in the session is probably going to be a lot less Mm. um and the volumes um within that main core part of the session will be less with significantly more um rest periods in between as well Mm.
0: okay I've got a few quick questions now because I I always ask swim coaches this and I I like to, it's almost like a canvassing of opinions. Uh, You've probably been familiar with the triathletes turning up on the poolside with their bag of tricks and tools. So I'm going to ask you about a few of them and and, um, gauge your opinion on them. I've got a fair idea where we'd be going with this, um, but let's see. Um, So... Let's start off with the most common one, pull boys.
1: Yeah. Yes oh, or no?
0: Oh. And, if, and if and if and if it's a yes, how
1: often? Uh, yes, I would use them twice, three, three, three times a week, maybe. So, yeah, it has it has its value. Um, it, it, it does help on some of your recovery days because a lot of people actually find that the kick takes a lot out of them. So you put the pull boy in, you can work on the catch. Um, you can keep your heart rate a little bit lower. Uh, So I'd say yes to a pool boy.
0: Uh, Take the pool boy out. Replace that with some of these floaty pants. You know the sort of like jammers, neoprene jammers.
1: To be honest, I've got no real opinion on them. I've not had enough people who have been around to actually go and uh, and make a a comment on that one.
0: Okay. Um, Paddles, hand paddles.
1: Only if your skills are correct that you need to have good you need to have good fundamental skills to start using paddles and you think well why am i using paddles what am i trying to do so i would say you're using paddles there to try to develop the muscles a little bit more you add some resistance on to you know make 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 your hand bigger you're adding some resistance on and so it's some form of resistance training. But you should only be doing that kind of resistance training, in my opinion, if the mechanics are right in the stroke.
0: Okay. Uh, fins. We talked about fins earlier for kicking. Um, and if you think fins are a good thing, what type of fins would you recommend?
1: Uh, yeah, I think fins are very good. I would use fins um, in the warm-up quite a bit. There's there's some research to suggest that... Um, if you wear fins, that it takes pressure off, off, off the shoulders early on in the, in the warm-up. So that will um, you know help to the wear and tear in your shoulders, for instance. So using fins in warm-ups, definitely. Um, and I, I, I love fins for anything drill-related. There are some limitations in drills if you don't have things like fins because they just really help with the, the body position. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the strong kick, a lot of these drills, you just won't be able to do. So that that and then that works as a good progression because if you're doing a drill um with fins on, you can then go make that harder. That could be something you do in six months' time, where you take the fins off and then you do the drill. Um, any particular types of fins that you recommend? Do you like
0: ones that are more like the diving fins quite long, or do you like the short, stubby ones? Um, I
1: probably prefer the shorter fins, really.
0: Okay. Um, Alan used to have us using those little parachute things. It's no bigger than sort of like a large handkerchief, but it felt like you were towing a rowing boat. What do you think of those? Similar to
1: paddles, do you think? Similar to paddles. You're using that for resistance. You're trying to make something harder. What I would be saying, though, is if it's seriously affecting your body position and your stroke mechanic, I wouldn't recommend using that so you have to find uh some kind of resistive aid which is creating the resistance but it's not overwhelming the, the stroke so i i use a, a sponge with some of ah, my athletes okay. so it's, a, yep. it's a and the it's the rope and the sponge at the back and i find that yep. that doesn't drop the hips down too much i've i've seen mm-hmm. some of the parachutes and and i've wore i've worn a parachute myself before and i found that my hips were sinking Big time, and it was really affecting the mechanic of the stroke again, so yeah you have to maybe play around with that
0: great well, I had sponge on my list next, and you've probably seen this when when you've been coaching it, um and we're swimming in the lane next to you that um we've all started using sponges uh, they you're right they do seem to add some drag without it being overwhelming and I think I think that's good i'm um, uh, there are some people I've seen that are now trying to load up the sponges so they've got two or three to create more drag but um, I'm not sure how far you need to go on that one. Uh, you just need to provide a little bit of stimulus, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. You start with one, and then you you build it up. And like I say, if you're talking about a training plan, if you go from one to four sponges in in a month, you know, you can't go to fourteen and forty in a year's time. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> it, is, it is it is limited in, in in what you can do there. So I think, yeah, start off with one. Try to, and it depends what you're trying to do. Are you, are you are you trying to swim at a certain speed with that so maybe you want to you want to maybe hit a goal like you can swim at 50 in 45 seconds and if you can do that then put two on and you know try and try and do everything really in a thought out progressive manner
0: yeah i mean the, the way i've approached it is to um to to swim to swim 25 with the sponge and make sure your technique's good and then slowly extend that but you can see there's a point where People are not swimming technically good when they're going up to 75s or hundreds. And then as and then if you've got a series of 25s or 50s, swim about 80% of them with a the sponge and then take it off so you get to experience the contrast of not having that resistance and what it's like. And then you can do what you just said. You can swim quite fast, but you can still s- swim quite easily as well, once you've been feel like you've been released.
1: Yeah, it's like a super compensation, isn't it, that you that you mm. get from that. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about resistance, then bands. So, an elastic band
0: that fits around the ankles that stops you kicking, but also leads to sinking of the legs. Uh, again, leads to that problem you've just discussed there about the parachute. So, do you, you think bands have a place or would you prefer not to see them in the bag?
1: Yeah, I, I think bands are, are really good, but they are very challenging. Um, you know, that, I, I, some of my top swimmers would use them and um it's about developing that control in your core and about developing Mm. awareness in your body position if your body is aligned slightly off you'll find that your legs down to the bottom of the pool and your hips are sinking um so i think it has some real value but again it's more on the advanced side of things it's uh, you don't have to just add these pieces of equipment in if you're not you know ready to use them yet you need Mm -hmm. to just start with the the most basic things and that can be something that you that that you work towards because it has to be done well in order to get the benefit out of it
0: yeah yeah snorkels now i know you're a fan of snorkels but um
1: perhaps you could just explain why you're a fan of snorkels yeah the the reason why i like snorkels is a lot of people in swimming is they think so much about the breathing and the the head position that it takes a lot of focus away from anything else that you're trying to do. So these drills that we've, we've, we've talked about uh, the, the catch drill that you described earlier, um, Superman kicking. If you've just got your head down and you've got the snorkel on, you take the worry of the breathing away, you can stay relaxed and you can just focus on getting in those body positions and keeping in those body positions um Now, if you're doing a drill, which requires you to be you know you turn your head every two seconds to take your breath, um, you're actually spending more time breathing, than you are actually doing the drill, so i I absolutely love snorkels for um, drills, even for easy swim sometimes, so doing some recovery swimming, just wearing a wearing a snorkel um, and it helps keep your body really well aligned.
0: All right. That's about the end of all of those things, I think. Oh, there's probably some other uh, gadgets that triathletes have got, but they'll be more on the superfluous look-what-I've-got-today type of thing than something that's of any relevance. I'm just going to try and summarise now, Josh, if I can, in a, in a few bullet points. So the first thing, it seems to me, that we need to do is go and see somebody who knows what they're looking at, that can identify where we're going wrong. It's impossible to do it yourself. Um even if you've got video footage of yourself swimming, you need somebody with experience to look at that. You can't do it by looking at yourself and comparing to um, a swim smooth or a perfect swimming video. Um, once you've done that and you've identified your technical flaws, and, and maybe that's to do with your mobility as well. So combining your visit to a coach with a physiotherapist would be a good idea to find out actually if you're going to be able to achieve those positions. You know, if you've got a, a, a long-standing shoulder injury
1: maybe maybe that's not going to be possible am i
0: I on the right track so far
1: yeah i would say so yeah they'd be be, be high up on my checklist so then once you've
0: done that the coach will help you to identify some specific drills probably limiting that to three that are progressive and you need to do those every single time you go to the pool probably in your warm-up and executing them with precision, understanding that you'll get better. And so thinking of not trying to be better in the next 20 days, but trying to be better over the next 1,000 days. So think about a long-term plan that leads to you getting better in two to three years. And you've got to keep doing them and keep doing them well. Don't just put new ones in for entertainment because they're different from the ones you did before. Do the same ones all at, and go back to see your coach regularly and see actually, am I doing these any better than I was last time you saw me? And then once you want to start... Uh, once you want to start thinking about improving your swimming, think about how mobility could improve your streamlining in the water. And so rather than creating, um, rather than what was it you said right at the beginning, just improving the propulsion, you're reducing the resistance. And then do that in a polarised way. Lots and lots of easy swimming and sprinkles of some high-intensity work. And don't get too caught up on which particular methodology you're focusing. You know, if you want to, just try them all. Just use them as a sprinkling, rather than the entire focus for your week, which is to feel like I've worked hard in a session.
1: That's that's not about right. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. And just just understanding the, the 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 training plan that you've you've got in place, whoever that might be that you've you've worked with, uh, your overall triathlon coach, or who you've worked with is 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 what is the the focus and aim on a on a daily basis, what's the focus on the weekly basis and, and in that particular um cycle as, as as well and just being really focused on what you're doing and knowing you know why you're doing those things at the moment and not trying to deviate too much away from from mm-hmm. from the plan that you've, you've you've set out for um and then being able to review that and then progress and get better in the next training cycle that you that you have I'm, I'm i'm really i'm really big on that now i think that you, you you have to be you have to be honest with yourself you have to evaluate what you've done right what you've done wrong and and how you move that forwards so you do get better you know there's always going to be a period of time where you know you hit maybe a little bit of a plateau but there's a there's a reason for that and i i, I never really feel that you've kind of hit your limit I feel like you can always improve somewhere Mm. and there's so many areas which you can uncover, but we only look at the the same things very often. So like I said, the mobility side of things, really important, you know, nutrition, um, sleeping, the, the, (laughs) the, the physical aspect of training itself is, is, is massive. You know, we could talk for hours about that. Um, but I definitely yeah. feel that you can you, you can get better with each each training cycle, but you have to you have to review what you've done, um, in order to see where you can improve upon.
0: Mm, yeah, what what you said there was really interesting. Is is the, how it all fits in with the training cycle as a whole? Because you talked about you know if you drill yourself, as in you nail yourself every swim session, that's taking a lot of energy. Perhaps not as much as if you go to the track and you do two or three high intensity running sessions, but it's still fatiguing. And that's then going to have an impact on uh, probably a negative impact on how much you're going to get out of your cycling and you're running equally. If you're training hard when you're on the bike or when you're at the track, that's going to have a, that's going to have a negative effect on your ability to swim. So you've got to fit all these together and think, right, I've only got so much energy. How am I going to spread it out? And then you've got to build in, well, actually how much energy am I using to go about my daily tasks as a, you know, in this particular job or that? And, how much energy am I spending looking after my children? And you know, and then how am I recharging that energy by sleeping and by eating? And if I'm not, if I'm not eating very well and if I'm not sleeping very well, then your battery's always going to be not quite refilled. And we all know how frustrating it is when our telephones, our mobile phones, batteries start to deteriorate after a couple of years and they've run out before the end of the day. Well, that's exactly what happens to the human body if you're not if you're not plugging it in and
1: recharging it properly. Yeah, and that's why I have a lot of respect for triathletes because the 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 balance that's required and the discipline it, it takes in order to maintain that balance um is significant really. It's not just one sport where you're juggling around with um you know with with one plan. There's kind of three plans that you've got to put in together and make sure that they flow really well. Um so yeah, it's um I'd imagine it's a it's a tough task there.
0: Well, it is, and I think that's a good place to uh, um, finish the podcast, Josh, because I I think sometimes listeners might think, oh, all we do is say, oh, triathletes aren't very good at this, triathletes aren't very good at that. Triathletes are exceptionally good at doing a lot of things, but our job as coaches is to help them get better, and what we're trying to do on these podcasts is not put them down and say, you don't do this very well or don't do that very well. What we're trying to do is sort of emphasise the areas where there's, there's big gains to be had. Um, but sometimes we have to get them to look at those, don't we? Have to get them. To, we have to be realistic. So you need yeah. to identify these areas, and that—that's when it might feel like we're uh, just pointing the finger
1: a bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think, you know, most most people who pursue something like triathlon or, you know, a, a sport as an adult, it, it, you know, I have so much respect for them. You know, and uh, and 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 it is it is tough to be able to juggle that amongst you know a very hectic lifestyle all, all, already. So you know, I I love what I do as a coach, as as I'm sure you do. It's helping someone go from where they're, where they're at to a, a goal that they've set themselves. Um, you know, and there's obviously a lot of, of joy along the way uh, and and a lot of hard work along the way. Aside from that, but you know, to to make someone realize what they can actually achieve. You know you kind of create that road don't you to to get them from from where they're at to where they
0: be, yeah, but it's a it, there's a lot of there's a lot of parts to this, isn't there you know we've we've talked about how to improve at swimming and there's lots of influences on that, and um you know as a triathlete then there's that's two more sports to bring into the mix um it's not just about spending more time in the pool and being better at the drills for, like I say for a lot of people, it might be just about getting more sleep or um you know standing up a bit more during the day yeah absolutely Uh, right Josh uh, I've taken a lot of your time today I really appreciate you being here thank you very much I guess you've got to go off and coach some junior swimmers now how to how to get better so um, thanks for being here we'll share your details um, and your social media handles and channels in the show notes um, because I'm sure there's a lot of people will have listened to this and thinking actually that guy sounds really cool I'd like to have some swim coaching with him so let's see what
1: happens there yeah, that sounds good. I appreciate your time today, Simon. Thank you very much. All right, Josh Spencer, swim coach and uh, help to all triathletes in need of
0: some swim skills. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Thank you again to Josh for being a guest on this week's High Performance Human podcast. As usual, there are links to all of today's discussion topics in the show notes below. To make sure that you don't miss any episode in the future, please go to iTunes, search for High Performance Human triathlon podcast and click the subscribe button please don't forget to check out the links for finding out more or even signing up to join the SWAT community so that's all for now I hope you have a great week and I will see you on the next episode